guys. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. My my girlfriend up in New York, Keith, to you and your fiance up in the Philly area, and Cole to you you and your second serve. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome everybody in episode five of No Man's Land Tennis Podcast 2023. Let's before we dive into the kind of everything we got going on, let's touch on some Valentine's Day stuff. Boys, what what are our top tennis couples of all time? Well, I'm going to take one right off the bat. Uh, and I'm going to go uh, firstly, in a true state, I'm going to go with Kate and I. Uh, we met on a tennis court. Uh, we got engaged on a tennis court this last uh, this last uh, August when uh, I ended up with some clay all over my knee. So that's how you can tell that uh, that I got down on a knee. For anybody who's wondering, the photos I'm all dirty up. Um, but the uh, the the best on tour tennis couple is is it's got to be the couple that people forget about Roger and Mirka Federer. Uh, Mirka was top 150 in the world. Um, a couple years older than Fed. I think they met like a Davis Cup when he was like 18 and she was like 23, and she saw some potential, got right on in there, and that's been a happy marriage ever since. And that, that's 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 my couple outside of uh, Kate and I. Yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna take maybe the most accomplished couple of the group is probably Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf, Steffi as they say in Germany. Um, yeah, so that, that's what I'm taking, Andre and Steffi. Frontline forehand. Oh yeah. Is there any inspiration uh, for taking the German and then uh, American there in your Valentine's Day pick, Fred? Yeah, very relatable. <laughs> very relatable. It just seemed seemed uh, seemed like the stars aligned there. Anyway, my uh, my um, my uh, couple pick this year this year because I think we'll make this a, a recurring segment will be Gems Life. G E M S. You got Gail. Elena Monfis Svidalina. She's father Instagram. It's great. Uh, Svidalina is expecting. She's been off the tour for a little bit while, a little bit of time now. Um, and they're perfect for each other, not only because they're a great couple, but because they're probably two of the best players that have never reached their full Grand Slam potential. So happy Valentine's Day to those two. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to everybody here. Yeah. The videos they, they post out are awesome. When they like tried it, like when she tries to like hit Gael with the ball, like he stands against the wall and she's like drilling balls at him and trying to miss him. It's great. And I think she drilled him on one of them. It was really, really funny. Yeah, no, they're, they're fun. Well, let's dive right into the tennis. This past week we had Dallas, Cordoba, and Montpellier on the men's side. And then we had Abu Dhabi and Linz on the women's side. Cole, walk us through. Yeah, we've got Wu Yabing, cash rules everything around me. Cream. Um, he beat Isner in the final. He beat Fritz in the semi. First Chinese man to win ATP final in Chinese history. In history, um, Baez beat Federico Coria in the first of two Argentinian tournaments happening down there. Of course, two Argentinians playing in a final. In Sorry, I fell asleep thinking of uh, Argentine or Argentina clay two fifty. Cash were not playing those this year. No, <laughs> uh, no, his ranking's too high. Uh, okay. Doesn't need to grind for points like Nick Kyrgios says. Uh, Sinner <laughs> beat uh, Nick uh, Maxime Cressy um, in uh, Montpellier. Sinner winning another 250. I don't know. He may be uh, the king of 250s nowadays. Um, but 
After that, we had Bencic beat Samsonova in Abu Dhabi, and then Potapova beat Martic in Linz. Potapova, top 30 now. She's 21. Um, she's young. She's one to look for. So that's your tournament roundup. Guys, anything you want to jump in there that caught your eye this week? Yeah, let, let's circle back to Wu Yubing. I think he was, in my opinion, the story of the week. Um, like you said, first Chinese man. He was the first Chinese man to make an ATP final, and then he won the final. Um, but he's got an interesting story. He won, I believe, one or maybe two junior Grand Slam titles. And, yeah, he, I mean, he was having tremendous success, and they were saying this guy was going to be the next kind of phenom on, on tour and ended up doing pretty well and then went injury into pandemic and dropped outside the top 1000 and last year went on a huge challenger run and got himself up inside the top 150 and now he's well inside what where's his live ranking at 58 yeah 58 okay so inside of 60 yeah so that's um, a sorry i um i was kind of very surprised that to figure out that to learn when he won that they haven't won they haven't they haven't had a chinese atp tour level winner because i think of them hosting you know a masters in shanghai and i think they had the atp world tour finals for a, a few years so, and then Li na won a, a grand slam on the women's side so it was like you know it always from the outside it looked like they had a great tennis culture and it probably they probably do it's not like they're short events there there's a there's a massive asian swing every year um, but something about the Chinese men that just haven't reached their full potential. And hopefully this guy, uh, you know, puts them on the map a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the guy literally picked up a thousand points within a year. We saw a lot of players kind of benefit from the pandemic in a weird way. Guys like Aslan Karatsev really benefited, benefited from the pandemic and, and not the pandemic was easy, but it just, a lot of guys that he was one that just, woo, just got slammed by it. Uh, I think he was male modeling too. Uh, during that time span, which is just unbelievable, like multi-thread. If, if for you football fans out there, if you remember Brady Quinn, quarterback for Notre Dame, and a little bit in the NFL, it, it felt it felt a little like that. Except, uh, unlike Brady Quinn, who actually reached some potential, actually uh, pulled it out for pulled it out for a, a a tournament. He also beat Shapo on that run in Dallas. So those are like three really good wins. Uh, beating Sh- uh, Shapovalov, beating. Fritz and, as Fred, and and beating Isner in the final, which he just returned out of this world. And uh, it's a fun guy to kind of watch and see if he's going to like, you know, now he's 58 in the world. Like, can he start competing at 500s? Can he start like making that next leap? But it, it does look like a fun guy to kind of watch. Yeah. The, the only thing I'll touch on in the Argentina swing was I feel like every year when these clay court tournaments in Argentina or South America happen, it's just we're always going to see a Nick Kyrgios uh, subtweet about whoever's playing in the tournament or that it's almost not even a real tournament or something like that. So I, I thought and I saw he tweeted probably three times over the course of the last week. Uh, he would <laughs> clip a video from the tournament and just post like the cigarette emoji or I, I don't know <laughs> what he's doing. But he's I feel like it's a given every year. Nick's just going to clown for whatever reason, the South American 250s. It's uh, it's the shit. I'm not like ready for it. Every time I'm watching like hardcore event or hardcore events, uh, like the Australian Open, and then go, they go indoors and all the stuff leading up to the Australian Open, and then 
<laughs> then it's like Eastern time, nighttime here in the States, and there's a clay court tournament on. I'm just not ready for it. It's actually a beautiful event. When you look at the photos they put out there and you look at the coverage of it, it's like stunning. And I think, isn't this where Del Potro retired? Was it Was it the second it was in the Argentina? Second one. So it was, it was the court, second one in Argentina. So, this week, last week, and then uh, Buenos what, Aires is this week is where he retired. But as, as Fred said, the, the only two things I get out of these uh, out of these tournaments when they're on clay this earlier in the year is is what what jerk is taking money away from a guy who's like two like you know one forty in the world trying to grind his way back into the top one hundred and Del and then just Del Potro in tears like you know losing that's like the only two things I get out of this. it's not really like happy memories with with these events um, they got to reschedule them. It just got to be during the clay court swing. It can't. It can't be during the hard court swing. It just. It's just so weird. Yeah. Or make yeah. or make them hard. Make them hard court events because the crowds down there are phenomenal. Yes. So I, I just make them a hard court event so it fits into the rest of the calendar. It's just not yeah. the culture, though. You know, like it's it's just not yeah. what they have. No, I agree. I guess yeah. it's just the accessibility for all players around the globe is is sort of what they're probably going for. Yeah. No. For, for sure. Um, and then I guess in, in Montpellier, yeah, it was Sinner yep. Cressy, um, big time, big time run for the, I guess, pseudo American Cressy. Um, yeah, but big, big server, big game. And I guess when it all comes together, it shows kind of what he's capable of and he can make a run like that. And Sinner, like you said, just r- rattles off these two fifties, like it's nobody's business. Um, so it's uh, another big title for him and, yeah, I mean, uh, there were some other big storylines in, in Montpellier as well. I think there were some young guys that, that we need to keep an eye out on. I was going to say, Fred, don't don't bury the lead there. Like, yay, congratulations for Sinner for being the best player there, and he should have won that tournament. And pseudo-American Max Cressy, who serves, still serves in volleys, that's fun. But Arthur Fields is the, uh, it's the story of the young Frenchman, 19 years old. It's incredible to think a guy born in the 2000s is winning events again. It's just ridiculous. But he had some really, really solid wins. Uh, Roberto Bautista Goot in the round of 16. Uh, Quinton Hollis, I probably mispronounced that as always. And then lost the center in the, in the, in the semis. Uh, big game, got fired up, looked awesome. And if it wasn't for Wu, we would probably be spending a lot of this time talking about Arthur Fields and, and the jump that he's now made in, in the world of tennis because he looks like he's going to be – I know it's easy to make the comparison, but it looked Sangha-esque with the way he hit the Ooh. ball. Like It was powerful. It was big. He moved really well. Um, it, it felt – and he just got fired up like Sangha. Like you felt like, like you know, Sangha was always in it, and it's, it felt the same thing with this kid a little bit. Yeah, definitely didn't see definitely didn't see uh, feels coming like this, but would have been a great getting the bump pick for you for you two guys. It could have been you too. I mean, you picked a countryman of his, and you might have picked the wrong one. But we'll have. I don't know. He's playing pretty well, anyway. Well, let's let's go. Let's touch on our getting the bumps because I think I think you two might. Lahetchka is not playing right now. I think he he might be in an event this week. But yeah, you guys. I know you guys have. Have some action with your getting the bump picks. Well, to uh, to before we uh, before we move on to getting the bump, I just want to mention that Arthur feels now up to 114 in the world uh, with that run. So almost hey, wow. inside the top 100. Uh, and, and 19 years old, that's nothing to kind of laugh at. Whereas like 20 years ago, we'd be talking about a guy 19 being 115. And it's like, oh, this kid isn't going to make it. Like how quickly we all gave up on guys when they weren't winning at that that age. But now that's a great little run. Um, 
going on uh, going on for him. Alexi Poprin is in a challenger actually in um, in Manama, uh, Bahrain. Uh, challenger 125, which is uh, kind of one of the more mid middle level challengers, and he should be seated there. I'm pretty sure. So, good way to get his game going a little bit. Um, I'm trying to see if he already has. He already's had a buy. Um, we don't Where know who's playing. I actually don't 100 percent know. Uh, Barin, <laughs> yeah, no, this Barin, is. I'm gonna yeah. Say, yeah, I'm gonna sound really American. It's like if you, I couldn't point Barin on the map. Um, I'll, 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 I'll be okay with that. Uh, yeah. but a good little draw here, actually. Tanasi Kokonakis in that tournament, uh, a few other guys there. Uh, so going to be a competitive, competitive tournament, but he should be looking to win that. Um, he should be looking to win that a lot of, a lot of good Aussies and a lot of, a lot of household names actually in this, like Oscar Ada, I mean, excuse me, uh, Yonder Struff is also in it as well, but this should be a tournament Popper can win. Uh, Bahrain's middle of the middle of the middle east it is just saudi is a big chunk here and then you got qatar and the uae and it's just a little island right there got it thank you i still don't believe you. it's made up <laughs> um i have <laughs> i have arthur Cazal. he's up to uh 2222 in the world um he's in chennai chennai india napoon no, not Poon. <laughs> uh, he won his uh, first round match yesterday. He's got a round of 16 match tonight. If he wins that, we're looking at 215. And if he then wins the tournament, he'll be around 170, which he's starting to be a little bit of a challenger king. So King Kazal, King Coley, take me to the promised land. Yeah, Lahetsky's got nothing going on this week, so I do not have much to report on for Yuri. Um, Probably then, studying yeah. where Byron is. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. He's also trying to figure that out. Yeah, can't yeah. enter a challenger unless, unless you know where the place is. Yeah, true. Well, the week ahead, we've got on the men's side 500 in Rotterdam, and then, like we said earlier, the 250 in Buenos Aires. And then Delray Beach is hosting a 250 as well on the men's side. Um, and the women are in Doha this week. Any any picks, boys, for um, for these tournaments? Anything you're, you're feeling good about? Any players you're feeling good about? Rotterdam, I'll take Medvedev. Oh, you got Medi? Yeah, I'll take Medvedev. I like I like Felix. I just I was just watching before we hopped on this call. Felix looking good. I, I actually have to admit, Cole, um, I thought the same thing as you did. I thought this was going to be kind of a coming out party for Medvedev trying to get his game back going. Um, the funny thing is that's not the tournament that I'm looking at right now after just bashing Argentina. I mean, if you look at if you look at the draw of Buenos Aires, it's a ridiculous draw. Uh, Alcaraz scheduled to play. Fognini lost in the first, but then you have like Cam Nori there. Uh, Musetti there, Dominic Team trying to find a win maybe for the first time all decade. Diego Schwartzman, <laughs> Diego Schwartzman at this event, like a lot of good names there, um, and it could be f- kind of fun to watch. Like Alcaraz maybe try to get his game back because it feels like he's been under the radar with his injury, and we forget that a couple months ago he was world number one. Yeah, yeah. Saw saw a video of him and Schwartzman hitting last night. We posted that baby on our on our Instagram. Um, I don't know who's going to be in better form, 
uh, Alcaraz when he comes back after not playing for a while, if Schwartzman can find some form, because I know he's had a horrid time the past three or four months. I'm going to shift my eyes down to Delray. TP. Tommy Paul, Kudla, second round matchup. I think Tommy Paul, hopefully, can ride some momentum from a really, really good trip down under. And he trains in Florida. He's down there all the time. It's, it's sort of like a hometown tournament for him. So I'm, I'm hoping he can ride some of that momentum and, and have a good week. But obviously, these American tournaments, you never know. I feel like a lot of the other Americans really step up when it's on home soil. Ben Shelton. He's going to make a run. The guy's playing so well. It's going to be hard not to see him maybe making a run in this tournament. It could be fun. Yeah, he's, oh, he's the eighth seed. I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he's seeded in a 250. I'm going to – I don't know. Uh, as you'll, as the listeners will hear our, our interview later with Pat Harper, he, uh, he seems to think that Ben Shelton got a little lucky. So I'm going to go with uh, Dennis Shapovalov to hopefully find – some part of his game uh, and get through Mo and then make a run at this final. He needs to, he needs to get back on track and start playing to his full potential again. Cause he's fun to watch when he is sailing. Yeah, he really is. He's fun to watch. Is it's just like watching stupidity and poetry. Mm-hmm. Like he just, he's like, he looks so cool when he's in the ball, but he's just such an idiot when he plays tennis. Like you just like, you just, he just picks some shots where you're just like, like I'll watch it with players that, that don't play tennis. Like, why did he try to hit that ball there? And I'm like, I have no fucking idea. Like <laughs> the guy's an idiot. Yeah. He's so smooth though. Like he was that leaping one-handed backhand on the, from the left-hand side. I'd, I'd pay for that. Definitely no. would have paid for it last night in my men's match. Not as, not as smooth as Kovacevic. I think, I think we got to put, a video of that shot that he hit last night on the Instagram and the Twitter, because that was like the minute he hit it, I just like instantly got my phone and started recording a Snapchat to send to all you guys. Cause I'm like, that guy is so smooth. Yeah. Uh, the ladies are in Doha this week. Oh, some big names there. Uh, Sviantek one seed. Azarenka wild card in. Daniel Collins already beat Elise Mertens. Benchit just playing after winning in Abu Dhabi. Kvitova. Um, what else we got? Pushkova. Pagula and Ostapenko. Yeah. Ostapenko. Oh, God. Not, not Ostapenko. <laughs> he loves him some she Penko. She beat Keys first round. I'm telling you, this girl is a great tennis player, and you guys have not believed me for two years. No, no, I have. You guys have won in two years. <laughs> I, know, I know she's a solid tennis player. I think she's as far from a solid person as you could ever be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maturity, maturity and growth. We're, we're looking for that not only in rankings, but in life, right? So let's go, Yelena. I'll take I'll back her in that Pagula match. Is I love Jess. I love you, Jess. But uh, I'm going to ride with Ostapenko in this tourney. No, she sucks. <laughs> yeah, retweet. Well, so th- this past week in the golf world, they had probably the most exciting golf tournament of the year 
I mean, you two are the you two are the golfers, so I'll let you guys be the judge of that. But the Waste Management Open down in Scottsdale, Coley's home, happened this past weekend, the same time as the Super Bowl. So big time sports weekend down in Scottsdale. But it got us thinking, why isn't there quite an event like that in tennis? There's been maybe a couple failed attempts at some stuff like that in terms of maybe the World Team Tennis or kind of Davis Cup, but nothing that really counts and of this kind of magnitude like it is in golf. So I, I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on why kind of what is ten, tennis missing with this? Like why, why are they missing the mark and what can they do to kind of bring something like that to the table? Yeah. Well, we're, so We're not going to talk about the Super Bowl. So let's just, let's just, let's just go to the waste management, please. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, sorry about your uh, words. <laughs> Keith's still mourning. Um, we are grieving. So here in Scottsdale, boots on the ground since I'm living here right now. Um, waste management is uh, an all-you-can-drink fest. It's once, it's once a week or wow, once a year, and it just so happened to line up a Super Bowl, and we had probably 120 to 150 thousand people on a golf course on on Friday or Saturday. And it was just absolutely packed. And it, the, the city was packed with the Super Bowl. Like, it was absolutely nuts. And um, just thinking about that and where that would translate the best to a tennis court, I thought about uh, Louis Armstrong, like the old days, Louis Armstrong, before they built that uh, roofed-in stadium. I thought about that lower bowl. Um, and I remember Del Potro and team playing in Epic there. Uh, and I just thought, you know, why can't we just have craziness? I want general admission passes, standing room only, and just let everybody get at it. And those guys actually, that would have been the perfect match for that because Delpo would have, Delpo's used to that. He's used to that um, always going crazy fans from Argentina. But if if you're going to do it anywhere, I think that an outside court at the U.S. Open would be a great spot to do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. When I think about New York, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I, I think people in New York and, and the energy at the U.S. Open is already kind of there in a, in a way, but not officially there where it seems like in this golf tournament it's like yeah they build the stadium right around the hole and they're encouraging people to be drinking and being rowdy and, and going after it and at these tennis events that's kind of not happening the encouragement of all that stuff and some of the extracurriculars um i don't know like when i really think about like, what i'd like to see I don't know. Like I know at some tournaments they play cha- music at changeovers and stuff but i just i would love to see some more of that. I mean, it's what world team tennis brought. You had a guy, you had mascots running around and you had a guy on stilts at every changeover, just like throwing t-shirts everywhere and just making, had a microphone. He's just making jokes with random people in the crowd or they go up and ask questions to people in the crowd. And so world team tennis was on to something a little bit, but I just wonder what it would be like if you brought it into a more serious environment where things actually mattered and yeah. you had more points available and a bigger purse of money and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for those that like really follow golf, the, the waste management is is awesome, and it it really kind of all started with Tiger making that hole in one on the 16th hole before a stadium was ever uh, 
was ever going to be built. You have like the famous line. They're like, he's got a standard nine iron here. They're going to go nuts when he hits this ball. And he, and he drains a ball. This is like is sometime in the early 2000s or late 90s. And he makes a hole in one on the 16th before they even build it. And they just kind of capitalized on it. And what golf has done well really recently has been they've allowed the common, as I always call it, the everyman come in and really take over the game. And they've allowed accessibility to its players. Um, that n- no other sport is really allowing. Like we're starting to see like baseball trying with mic'd up, but there's a great, uh, I can't remember the player, but there was a great conversation um, about a, a guy hit the ball um, during the tournament on not the stadium hole, just on a casual hole. And they were talking about distances, what they were going to do and all that kind of stuff. And they, him and the caddy are mic'd up and it was just a phenomenal conversation that they're having. And you, you had to completely see how it went into play. And I think if tennis started implementing that a little bit more, you'd start having some success. And what makes the waste management so cool is kind of like the timing of it. It used to get overshadowed by the Super Bowl all the time, but now it doesn't because it's so much fun for those guys to watch. And then it goes right into the Super Bowl. But it's like kind of that early stages of the year of golf. I think tennis has a really good opportunity to have that. And I think you just do it in Fred's backyard as you do it at the City Open. And the way you do it, is in my opinion is you you kind of copy indian wells a little bit which is you give a bigger purse if you win singles and doubles and i think you only mic up and have the rowdy atmosphere at doubles events i think it's it more gets more light shown on doubles and if you had guys mic'd up for the viewing audience at home to listen to what they're talking about strategy wise what they're doing all this wise and all that kind of stuff and you make that purse bigger I think you're going to start seeing guys that show up to that tournament in the top 60 play doubles together that only ever play singles because they can make a little extra coin on the side and they can have fun with the fans. That's the way I would do it. Uh, WTT like missed the mark. They did it in like such a tennis way where they just did it so lame. They're like Fred said, they had like mascots and they had like a like really cool colored courts. Look at us. We're so different. Our courts are like, purple and blue and green and it's like who gives a fuck like get out there we want to hear what these guys are doing in tennis we want to have fun we want to cheer our own players and it could be like a lot of fun one day to watch like a like a like a Vavrinka and Dominic team doubles doubles match against like two guys in the top 40 like that'd be awesome and if you had them mic'd up it'd be sick doubles players get so hyped together and uh, Pat will talk about that later with his partner during that interview but that's the way I would do it yeah, like I'm envisioning, I don't know, you know, maybe like an NFL game before the the opening kickoff. Like, I don't know, the crowd is maybe swaying or everyone's going, oh, <laughs> building up to when the ball gets kicked off. Like, imagine I'm walking up to hit a first serve and all of a sudden everyone's got some music playing and a whole crowd's building it up and you go hit the first serve and right when you hit it, everyone's like exploding. I don't know, like little <laughs> things like that you can add to it. Because like I think what the one of big misconception is about other sports, like when when you talk to people that don't play golf or tennis, they're all like, "Ooh, you guys need perfect quiet in order to play." It's like, no, if there was consistent noise, it wouldn't bother it. It's when there's an absence of noise, too noise, that gets really bad. It's like the, re- the reverse happens in other sports. Like if you talk to baseball players, like in big moments, and the crowd gets real silent, they're like, "Oh my god," they they start getting real nervous. <laughs> Um, it's the reverse of that. It's just this the human psyche. But I think if you had like an atmosphere, just like even starting it out where they're mic'd over, they're mic'd up on changeovers, they're playing songs. Um, they're encouraging like a, an atmosphere where the players are involved in it. Um, like I think you saw, who was it? Like Ricky Fowler, like took golf balls, wrapped $5 bills around them and then said, here's a beer on me and threw it into the crowd. Like, you know, like if you had that going on, 
at a tennis event instead of like guys throwing like their sweaty wristbands at the at the, at the yeah. crowd. I think it would really start like really promoting like a fun way to enjoy tennis. I think, you know, I think we have to be the ones that do it, guys. You know, I think if it's if it's you're talking about golf for the common man, right? Keith, I mean, that's sort of what our podcast is. Right? That's what we want to do. We want to break down the barriers of, you know, tennis not being accessible to everybody who loves it and everybody wants to play it. So, uh, guys, I think we, uh, I think we need to be tournament directors here in 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 a in a year a year's time or so. I my vote is. Uh, We'll we'll get in touch with these guys at the Arizona Tennis Classic, and then we'll just front end the waste management, do a little do a little uh, craziness for the little tennis waste management, and then you know whenever the Super Bowl comes back, I mean that's a bang 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 weekend for out here in Scottsdale. That's of course if the U.S. Open doesn't want us. You just you just completely catch the the real degenerates at the waste management stuck around and kept drinking. And like yeah, we'll do tennis <laughs> next. Like yeah, let's go do it. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to toss it to our interview this week. Pat Harper, the Australian. He's a current student athlete uh, for the number 11 ranked Tennessee Volunteers. He's in his final season, final college season. Um, He's a 2021 NCAA national doubles champion. He's one part of the three-brother Harper tennis trio. He's uh, a fellow Arsenal fan. And he is uh, the self-proclaimed greatest golfer to ever come out of Australia. So um, I hope you enjoy it. He's quite a, quite a tennis player, and uh, he's, he's had a wonderful, wonderful college career. Um, enjoy the listen. Pat Harper, appreciate you being on, man. What's been going on? Thank you for having me, boys. Appreciate it. Not much happening around here. Just getting in the swing of college tennis. It's great to be back on the court. and. Excited for the rest of the season to come. Tennessee up to 11. Things go, things things sort of uh, going as you expected. I know you had some three tight ones, three tough losses, uh, but pretty pretty good start to the spring. Yeah, it's a not bad start. Honestly, we thought we would be doing better. We started the year ranked six, and I thought we'd assume that we just kind of like climbed from there, but we took a couple – tough losses on the road early in the year we went to Michigan and kind of got beat down a little bit 4-1 and then the one that hurt the most was we went to Wake Forest and we lost 4-3 after winning the doubles point and that one is the one that's hurting us probably the most when we should have beat them but they're a great team at home their record at home is like 106 and 5 over like the last five years and so we couldn't get that done. And then we played TCU at home and they're obviously a great indoor team. They beat us in the final of national indoors last year. And so we took a loss to them at home, which stung as well. But I think we're in a good spot. We've beaten the teams we should definitely beat. We scraped through against Oklahoma, luckily to send us to indoors. But I don't know, we always say we're a tournament team. So we look forward to like national indoors, SEC tournament and like the NCAA tournament is kind of where we do our best work. What do you what do you think the difference is with that? Like when you say you're a tournament team compared to like a regular season team, like what I don't know for people listening, what how would you describe that? I don't know. We kind of just lock it down really well in the tournament. Like all of our coaches, especially Woody, they just like get us locked in for the big matches, and like for all the tournaments we play, we're always ready and ready like ready to go. And I think Woody has a big part in that. We're doing everything like every play in this team. We're practicing like certain stuff to play 
against this that that same team. So yeah, you, uh, we, can, we can show that at indoors. Yeah, you um you you had the fall off. You actually you actually helped me out big time when I was making this move out to Phoenix, but uh, I was able to stop off in Knoxville and see you and get to see sort of your your humble abode there. But you were just hitting and uh, staying in shape. Um, has it been hard getting like back into the swing of things this spring or you pick it up wherever you left off? It was a little hard at start, I'd say, but I was hanging around the guys like in the fall. So it wasn't like so hard to get back into like things because I was playing practice with everyone. So I was kind of comfortable around guys playing doubles with new pairs, which was probably the toughest thing, especially now because I was playing with Shinsuke and then I've now switched to Johannes. So that was probably the toughest thing, playing with one partner for a little bit and then suddenly changing. But me and Jomo have like clicked pretty well now. So that's all good. But I mean, I took the fall off mainly because like it was tough to find scholarship as well because we got, had a lot of guys in the fall. But I know me and two others, Johannes and Martin, we all took the fall off together. And Johannes was back in England playing tournaments there and his ranking's like 500 in singles right now. So he's pretty good. And uh, me and Martin kind of played the couple in America, just some futures, just to like keep our eye in and stuff. But we definitely spent most of our time in Knoxville, like hanging around the guys and stuff. Oh, he's he's 20. 20- Two years old, you, you don't get out of shape at 22 years old, it just doesn't happen. Like, you, you get the resident old guy like me, like, I hurt my wrist for a month and like I put on 15 pounds. Like, I hurt my wrist and I put on 15 pounds. Like, the dude, the dude's fine. Yeah, Pat, I know you won the uh, the national championship at doubles in 2021, so it's like you know, when to take the fall off, you just just tell Woody, you know, hey, I'm gonna take the fall off, I'll check back in in the spring, and then it's boom, got a lineup spot. Uh, it's not really like that with Woody. <laughs> I, I didn't know where I was expecting to play, but I kind of knew I was going to play with Shun at number one at the start because we played the challenger together and we won a match at the challenger. So I was knowing that for sure. But you never know with Woody. He could slide you down to number three dubs within the click of a finger, like take you out. Just it's like it's crazy with him. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, I was curious. Take us through that that doubles run you had to 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 go number one. Like, what was what was clicking? What was it like for those who've never had that experience of being on the ball like you guys were? What did that feel like? Me and Waltz had played together a lot even before college. So, like for us, it was easy to play with each other. We clicked naturally on court, which I think a lot of the other teams didn't really have that. And we lived together as well, so we were just like clicking on all cylinders and. We were 31 and seven throughout like the whole year, fall and spring. So we had a pretty good year and we kind of took a few losses late in the SEC season. And then we kind of like said like, look, we got to like pick it up here. And I think senior day we played A&M and we lost to the LSU Tigers. We lost our doubles match that day. And then we bounced back against A&M and then the postseason started with SEC tournament and we won every single match from that senior day all the way till the NCAA title. So we were on like a 12 match win streak or something like that, which was crazy. So we, we really clicked at the end of the season, which was lucky for us. And yeah, it was a hell of a run. I would love to do it all again. 
when you have a roommate or like like you said like a roommate or somebody you care about do you, do you guys ever just like screw around when you're on the court even those 12 match win screen like that 12 match win streak you're just sitting there just going like dude you didn't Venmo me for beers on Thursday night like you know <laughs> let's, let's 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 make a return here like do you ever does that ever come up every once in a while or is, or is it is it all business out there definitely on the practice court that would come up with especially me and Walsh because we do love a cold beer but I don't know we can't really afford talking about that kind of stuff. We'll be seen like smiling, joking around around our coaches. They want us locked in from the start of that doubles point to the end of it because it's like twenty minutes balls to the wall. So we don't really have time to joke around or whatnot. Yeah, the facility you have in Knoxville is absolutely no joke. Like it's so nice. Uh, just stopping through there and visiting you, like you. You can't take that for granted, right? Like coming coming from Australia, how does it compare to sort of like what you've grown up on? I mean, the facilities here are definitely a step up from what I'm used to in Australia. Like I, I did practice at the like National Academy facility, which is a amazing facility in Brisbane. But like you come to all the college facilities here, they got six indoor courts, six outdoor courts, perfect for college tennis. You don't really see that in Australia where you have like six indoor courts and then six outdoor courts at the same facility, which I think that's a big difference. And I mean, if you look at our facility and compare it to others, we're, we're probably like a top five facility in the country. So we're very blessed here to have it. And especially our indoor courts, like when we like pack people into that stadium and like it helps us so much. I remember last year we were playing Duke in the, round of 32 of the NCAA tournament and we started outdoors and we lost the doubles point. So we're down one zero and singles was kind of a little tight. I lost my first set. We lost like three first sets, which like they only need three singles to win it. And then we flipped the mat. It started raining. And so we went indoors and every, all the fans just packed in tight indoors. Well, it's not tight, but it just sounds so much louder indoors. And we flipped the match and we won four one no one lost a match everyone's like split their thirds and yeah it was crazy that's sick you go from a lot of grass over in australia that's what i, I know a lot it's a lot more prevalent there than it is here or is it still hardcore over there where i'm from it's more hard but on the west coast like perth i don't know if you've heard of perth western australia I'm not That's a completely right. dumb American. I do. I, I watch enough tennis to know where Perth is. I've talked to a lot of Americans that geography of the world isn't the best. I mean, I mean, I, I did I did do a weekend in D.C. when I was single just trying to pick up chicks with Australian accent. That was one of the places <laughs> I would say that I was from. Uh, it was Perth because it just wasn't it just wasn't the generic <laughs> in Melbourne. But yeah, I played on grass a little bit, but it's mainly in Western Australia. So there's some in Melbourne, but I, I really like the surface a lot. Really crafty. Kind of like Coley. Coley would yeah, little, little Swan Hill. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's another little 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 location for you in Australia, Keith. As the resident like wannabe Aussie over here, I can help you out with uh, geography. And Freddie stuff. would love a grass court as well. Sure. Ooh. Yeah, he would. Oh yeah. I, I've thrived on the grass. Yeah. yeah. I'd still dust some twos. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. You get your me me and your brother on the court against you and anybody. Uh, I, I don't know. You and Waltz, I'll, I'll take you on. <laughs> oh my God, dude. That is just, that's a recipe for hell. That's a big call. Yeah. <laughs> Once I get Mitch over here and I, I'm done with my season, we're going to get back on tour. He'll be here in two days, three days. I know. I know. Cole's got a countdown clock. If, if Cole just turns his camera a little bit, 
There's a picture of Mitch's face with the countdown clock. <laughs> For the, before we get too before we get too into the inside jokes, uh, Pat is one of three Harper brother trio tennis trio. You've got Matt Harper, first year Virginia Tech, hey, second, year. second year. You've got you finishing up in your last year at uh, Tennessee, and then Mitch has the honor of being coached by me. On the ATP tour, I mean, it's just a full, it's a family affair, really. Well, he's he's not playing right now, so it might be. I was going to say, it's an early, re- Cole's forced him into an early retirement here, folks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, rehabilitation period. Mitch, we, we believe in you, though, buddy. Everything's a movie with Mitch, so this is, this is the low arc of the movie. <laughs> Everything is a movie with Mitch. But I, I met your I met your brother once and all everything he said was a movie. Like every line was a movie. Like I was like, hey, do you want to drink? And he'd be like, that'd be a movie, Keith. And then <laughs> I, I was I was like, what's going on? He goes through those phases where like the team will have like that one word that they all say and he'll say it for like a month straight. And I remember him saying movie all the time. Yeah, it's been compete, it's been tick, it's been movie, it's been goat. Yeah, Carlos has all the words as well. Like, yeah, it's so funny. Crazy. Well, I guess I kind of have a question in terms of like you coming over to the States. Like, could you just talk a little bit about like, obviously it helped when Mitch was over here first and kind of starting that process. But like, what was your recruiting process like and sort of your thought process as you're playing juniors, finishing high school and then deciding what's next in tennis? Yeah, honestly, I didn't really think about college tennis that much until, like, later on in high school because, I mean, I didn't know anything about it until Mitch kind of went to college. And like, I would follow Mitch, and then towards the end of high school, I was like, yeah, I want to go to college as well. Like, I, I wasn't, like, an Alex Demon or anyone like that who, like, should clearly go pro straight away. But so I thought it was a great route for me to go down and, Obviously, the recruiting process, being Mitch's brother, Virginia Tech was an easy option. Like, not easy option, but it was an option to go there as well because I talked to Jim, seen to, like seen Jim when I went to visit Mitch. But I kind of used Aussie Athletes Agency and did like a recruiting video. So that helped a lot. And obviously, coaches would message me, email me and whatnot. And the kind of thing that helped a lot. I played a futures event on grass in Mildura and kind of got, I got my first ATP point, which was big for me at that time. I think I was 17. And so that really helped me get like messages from more schools, which like the schools I would want to receive messages from. And I was talking to Tennessee at the time, but then that definitely helped. And yeah, I took a visit to Virginia Tech, SMU and Tennessee. I just went on three. But I was talking to others, but and I just as soon as I went to Tennessee, I just knew I wanted to be a bowl. Like the visit was amazing. Obviously, Adam being on the team helped, and I know I I would have loved being on Mitch's team, but I kind of wanted to go my own route. I know Mitch was shining at VTech. I didn't want to live in that shadow. Yeah, did you just decide to pick like the uglier of the two oranges? Was that like your logic behind picking Tennessee over Virginia Tech? Was that was was that it? We're, we got three Hokies here. I got no problem admitting that 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 burnt orange is hideous, but you had to go with the uh, the duckbill orange, as I like to call it, the coal. 
Yeah, I just went to the better football school. No, that's fair. Oh my God. That's fair. That was good. And ba- you could have said basketball at the national championship there a couple of years ago. But, um, yeah, and we made we made Hen and Hooker good. And we let we we oh, let that's him, a cool, we, let him, we let him go to Tennessee just to keep you nice and happy in the United you States. Let that one slip. God. Yep, they've let a lot of stuff slip. Yeah. But yeah, I lo- love my decision to come to Tennessee. I wouldn't wouldn't change it for a thing. And yeah, excited to finish my last year here. If I, I, I just wish one of my brothers would have been on my team. I think that would have been a cool thing to have. Like Mitch and Maddie were on. I know they weren't on the team, but Mitch was kind of around Maddie a bit, which helped him a lot. I would have loved to have had Mitch or Maddie on my on my team. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about the difference, Cole, and you guys were talking about the difference between Australian and and U.S. tennis. Do you think? Do you think there is a difference in just fandom or like accessibility for players um, comparative between the two countries? And when, and if you do, what do you think is the, the cause behind it? I'm not sure exactly. I, I'm, I know you guys have way more players than we do. Like I see like all the tennis recruiting stuff, like you guys have blue chip five star, like Australia. We don't do that. Like we've got Australian ranking system, but it's nowhere near as, like deep as your guys here and i'd say that's the main difference but like your facility everything's just bigger in america that's all i'd say including me uh it's good for one joke about like size every podcast yeah listen when you when you you got it baby there's more to love (laughs) then it comes australian you'll you'll trim down good luck uh I'm just gonna sweat it out. Oh god. I, I mean, it's it's it, the curious thing is that there's so many like you know non-American players that play at high level D like D1 tennis. Like I'd imagine most of your team is is a pretty big hybrid between the two. Is it just the schooling that's the draw? Is it the tennis that's the draw? Is it a combination? What what makes you want to what makes you want to go? Or is it just a reason to play competitive again, uh, knowing that that next step isn't maybe attainable right away? I think if you look at a lot of the big schools, the majority are foreign tennis players. So I think a lot of people come as a pathway to get to pro tennis. They're not really coming for an education as such i know when i first came i didn't think about education that much and i think a lot of the other athletes on these teams come to compete essentially and get better Sorry, mr and mrs harper he's not thinking about his education <laughs> <laughs> but i don't think that's in the back of the mind they want to compete and develop their game to where they can go play pro tennis and i think if you look at the top Americans, I think they probably kind of look at the Ivy League schools. You see, like, Ivy League schools will pick up, like, the kind of the better Americans and because they want to get that education as well, so they can fall back on that. But, I mean, my team, we have one American on my team. And yeah. it's been like that for pretty much the whole time I've been here. And if you look at the top teams, they're all European, like, from all parts of the world. And... It's it's a great path for people to get to pro tennis, and as much as they want to think about education, I just they don't really come for that. I don't think. 
Yeah, they just put out a stat, the NCAA, that two-thirds of college tennis is international student-athletes. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, like my between my two teams, I have 20 student-athletes and 19 of 20 are American. Yeah. but And I'm like, that's probably the highest percentage of like any school in the country. For sure. And if you, yeah, just I think Power 5 as well. I would love like a stat of Power 5 like tennis teams. And yeah. you can see like the foreign to american ratio would be crazy like there's like i mean the 10 like there's a handful of americans that like are really good and like you'll see them at the top schools like spaziri the stanich guys like that but then when you look at like the depth of the team like you'll just see like japanese portuguese spanish and like is like israel and stuff like that yeah you have bob Botza, 29 playing six yeah, he's three years older than I am, and he's still playing college tennis. Yeah, we. If we my, Virginia, he's my age playing college tennis. Yeah, yeah, we we played Virginia in the final four last year, and he was playing my best mate on six, and he's like six years older than my best mate playing. Yeah, he's he, he's in some cases like eleven years older than a freshman. Yeah, well, that's he, what happened <laughs> last year at regionals. He played a freshman on my team, and he was ten years older. Yeah, and he's he's like how, how is his freshman, and he's got that much experience. Yeah, I'm like, how's that fair? Like, it's coming out. Like, guy's coming out with his wife and two kids, coming out to to a match. <laughs> I think it's he was, crazy. I think he was, it's holding, crazy. He was holding an AK-47 in the trenches a few years prior. Yeah, I think, I think it's crazy how much. I mean, Freddie, you included Pat, but how much you know about all the other teams and who's playing in those lineups. Like I would be so focused on my team. And if I'm playing doubles with somebody, of course, like how we're playing together as a union. Um, but then like even any team sport I played growing up, like we never really, I never really focused on that other team or like what's going on. But uh, I just find it interesting how, how much you keep a pulse on how other teams are going, especially in conference. I get that, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. You could, like any any school you could kind of like ask me like who's on that team and i could tell you their lineup what like racket they play with like <laughs> it's, it's kind utr nah, not not a huge fan of utr but all that other stuff yeah i just like, i mean we all watch like college tennis like i, I was tuning into michigan versus usc just before yep. they started at 6 p.m so i was watching that on my phone before scouting the number one doubles and stuff like that because you never know you could play them down the line they're both going to indoors as well but that's one thing our team does a lot. We do a lot of like film and stuff like that. So our coaches watch a lot of like of the other teams we're going to play, and like before matches, we'll meet with our coaches and like in pairs, and they'll give us like a scouting report on the team we'll play and like the players that we'll play, which helps a lot. I know I don't think like Mitch told me like Tech didn't really do that, no. and I, that's what I like. I told Manny, like, whenever you play a school that I've played, you just shoot me a tech because I'll text one of my coaches and they'll give me, like, a scout of that guy. Yeah. It's like, I know you guys, Hokies played Kentucky the other day and I gave Manny a scout of who he was playing in doubles. And I got to watch that in person, which is pretty cool. The consortium. The Harper Brothers consortium. You guys have a reach where you could just get, get anybody's cell, anybody's number if you don't know it. <laughs> Just that's like the red phone in the president's office. Just call anybody else you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the film the film stuff's really important. So it's cool that you guys are doing that because I know more teams are starting to do it, but you'll also see like 
a lot of old school coaches like don't adopt to that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I it's important having like those play calls that you can rely on in big moments. Like when I'm playing, like if it's like a 40, 30 or deuce point, our coach will come up and tell us like, you know, go here like and stuff like that. And I watch other coaches, they kind of just like sit back and just like let it unfold. But I think you constantly need to be on like on your guys, like reassuring them where to serve and stuff like that. And it takes like pressure off me when I have him helping me out and like running plays through my head. So yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah. So end of season this year, when it all wraps up, Tennessee wins the team uh, NCAA finals. You're winning the doubles final again. We are we lining up. Who's who's playing doubles with you on tour for your first year on tour? Are you you starting to think about the future yet? Or hey, Cole, well, I, I think if you win your men's league, he might ask you to play. Yeah. Hey, haven't lost yet. Yeah, I throw my hat in the ring. I have your number, Carl. I'll reach out. But um, I mean, if it, if it plays out like you just said, we win it all. I might not be able to play tennis for a week or two. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> One too many stubbies. Yeah, I know when me and Waltz won, a lot of stubbies followed after that. But post that, um, I mean, I'd like to travel and play a bit. Definitely play doubles. Um, I think I'll play i don't know who i'll play with yet honestly because i mean the guys i'm playing with on my team will still be at college so um depends like i don't know if adam's focusing on singles or not um it's kind of up in the air right now who i don't, don't know who i'll play with but i definitely like to go and play some tournaments travel with mitch maybe if he's if he's keen but i definitely want to try and play first because i definitely back my doubles ability I'd say every every time Mitch and I talk and we talk about family and the brothers, he's always telling me <laughs> that it would be a joke if you didn't try on tour because your doubles is so good. And Mitch playing, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago in uh, New Caledonia, I was like, hey, it didn't look too bad. I ended up losing with Matt, your other brother, who played Challenger. But he was like, man, Pat's got a guy because it's just a different level. So if you're getting the sign off from your brothers – that's got to give you an extra confidence. And and I know that you wanted to focus on doubles, but I know you know you know slouch and singles in your own right. I know you made it into the 80s in the ITA. So you definitely have the game there. Um, but seeing as that you did win that NCAA uh, doubles final with uh, with Waltz, definitely voting for uh, for two Harper brothers, at least on tour. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I like playing with Mitch. Um, I think Mitch kind of gets – stuck in the world that he thinks i'm so good and like he doesn't want to let me down which growing up it was the opposite i was not wanting to let mitch down when i played with him in doubles so he just needs to realize like we're, we're similar very similar level and like let's just go out and play and have fun <laughs> but yeah we'll, we'll see what happens but yeah i'm looking forward to getting out there and playing some because i mean i played the challenger and like you realize these guys aren't really that, that much better if better than us I know me and Shinsuke, uh, we beat guys to like top 150 in the world and we didn't even play it like the greatest. And yeah, like it's in doubles, especially on tour, like a super tie break can be the difference of like your year. Like you win a super tie break here and there, like you can be top 100 or like top 50. So yeah, it's definitely a lot different than singles, but 
excited for sure. How many guys do you find is it is a guy with a high doubles acumen that when they first come to play uh, tennis in college just simply don't know how to play doubles? Like I, I I never coach guys at your level, but I coach guys that were pretty high. And like it, the juniors, it would shock me how many of them just didn't know where to cover, didn't know where to go with the ball, stuff like that. Do you did you find that much is now more of a senior player? Yeah, I mean, if you look at junior doubles and then college, like high college doubles, it's a completely different level. And like you you see guys when they first come to college, like you can just tell like by where they stand in the doubles court. And I mean, I. I couple that I've seen on my team in past that who haven't known what to do. But that's one thing that our coaches are really good at. They're really good at teaching doubles. And ever since I've come here, like my double skills have gone through the roof. And that's a credit to Woody. He's really good in that department, I'd say. And we focus so much of our practice on doubles because like it's a crazy important point in college tennis, like going up one zero, having to win three singles instead of four. And especially in the big matches, it's crazy how important it is so our coaches like we'll have whole practices with just doubles like multiple times a week they sometimes forget about the singles but yeah it's it's important and I think the good schools like their coaches realize how important it is and like they're really trying their best to improve guys skills because it's so important yeah what do you think what if you could give three things that you think are most important to doubles what would they be First serve percentage, for sure, returns, and knowing where to stand at the net. I know it's different for me. I, I stand. Very I'm loving good. you right now, Pat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm loving you right now. This is the Gigi Fernandez lesson I had when I when I was a teaching pro. She said these three three same things. I know when I when I like if my partner is serving, my cock and balls are on the net, like. I'm right there. Whereas some guys tend to stand back more. That's just because I'm so confident with my hands up there. And I know you just can't be afraid to go. Like you can't be afraid to get hit. Can't be afraid to go. And like, yeah, you just got to be zipping around the whole time. That's what my coaches tell me, especially out of anyone. Cause I, I move out there like crazy. And they're just telling me to zip around the court. But first serve percentage and returns, uh, the two most important for sure. Boys, I hate to be rude. I got to run. Uh, Pat, so we had to move this up just because I had to. I have some uh, other things. So you guys can finish it up, Pat. It was awesome meeting you, man. Nice to meet you too, mate. See you, coach. Hey, Keith. <laughs> Pat, <laughs> is there a point in the fall where your golf game got anywhere close to your uh, your tennis game? I mean, right now, after playing today, I'm considering changing careers. Did you play golf when you were here? No, no, we didn't have time. But I've been playing nothing but golf here, other than my Monday night men's leagues. Uh, and the cap is coming down. The cap is coming down. So, what's the handicap? I think I moved out here. I think I was like a twenty-seven, and then and now it's down around an eighteen, nineteen right now. Just played an executive <laughs> nine. Played an, an executive nine this morning. Uh, shot a thirty-six on a par thirty. Not bad. Uh, might need to call Cam Smith and, and let him know that I'm coming for that open at Claire Jug. <laughs> Best part of the game? Ooh, seven iron. A little sautéed seven iron this morning on the first hole. Not bad. Oh, really good. No, I, I mean, I just play that par three course that's really close to me because I didn't have time to 
go like spend four four and a half hours at a course so I, I played that course in two hours so it's 18 holes it's perfect and my short game is definitely my best <laughs> your part you play a par three 18 hole course yeah didn't know they made those in the United States, honestly. Yeah, 18-3, Jack? Yeah, it, it's a good course, yeah. It's really fun to play. Carts included. Yeah, no walking. It's good. Yeah, I'm a big carry guy. What's uh, <laughs> what are you, what are you, you going to miss? What are you going to miss the most about uh, Vault Nation down there when you, when you head out? I think the team aspect. I think and just everything about Vol Nation, the facilities, like just being an athlete at a university, like I think we take it for granted sometimes how good we have it, all the, all the resources we have. So I think going out on your own, you'll appreciate all the stuff we had here, the the free free meals, the gym, the, the free rackets, all, all that stuff. And definitely just having that team around you to support you for sure. Tough, tough when you go out there on your own. I think Mitch is realizing that as well. Really test how much you love the sport. Yeah, we'll see. But I mean, I'll st I'll still be able to practice here and stuff, so it it will be fine. Yeah, so I'll still I'll still still be around the guys, so it'll be fine. Now, Fred, any potential on a link uh, on a collaboration up here with the, with uh, with Pat on the on the summer? Summer circuit. I don't know. We'll see. I'm my I'll, my phone number's open, Pat. You can call me. I'm gonna try. I've got I've got all the boys' numbers. And I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna try and travel and play some this summer. I'll so, just be ro rotating through the boys. Yeah, just see. You gotta get a tryout. Yeah, you guys play for it. Yeah, I'm all I'm all for that. Me last time me and Mitch played, took him out. Took Mitch out. Yeah, the only time we've ever played. <laughs> yeah. And I'm never I'm never gonna play him again. I wanted Pat, I wanted to ask you one more question, uh which we'll like I guess we'll cut in if it's good. <laughs> but were you bummed um when you didn't get like a wild card to play the Australian Open? And in, even into qualies? Um honestly I wasn't expecting. To get one, I mean, it would have been nice, but I know if it if we had have got one, I wouldn't have been able to play because I got the surgery on my shoulder, so I wasn't even ready to play by the time January came around. Yeah, it would have been amazing to play because I know like poor job, but even a wild card into like a two fifty would have been cool and stuff like that. But I guess, and I also wasn't home, so I couldn't make use of that because I spent Christmas here as well. So. I mean, we got an email from Craig Tyler when we won. So, I mean, that was cool, but definitely wasn't expecting anything, but it was in the back of the mind. Yeah, I just think that's like, I don't know. It's tough, to, trans it's tough to transform it back to your own country. Like, it's just like the American thing. And, I mean, Paul Job did it for his, he got a wild card into um, Wimbledon, but it's just, it's tough. Oh, yeah, I wonder if it's gonna. I wonder if it's gonna get to that point where there's so much international flair in college tennis that the majors start giving it to the. Yeah, the it, would have been, it, it would have been cool if, if Waltz won the singles. 
to see what would have happened because I mean he but a couple points went the other way he he truly could have won that whole thing because yeah. he was he about to beat Ben Shelton and Ben Shelton got a bit lucky there and and then if he wins that then he's in the final and I back Waltz every day of the week he's in that final yeah. so it would have been cool to see if I mean, if he won that, I think he should have got one for sure. But you never know. Australia. Just think it's a good way to like get get to see more more opportunities to people yeah. that I think deserve it. Like if you go that far and you win a title, whether it's in doubles or singles, like I think that should be rewarded instead. And it's like sort of like looking forward to the next chapter of somebody's career because so many times it's like Let's face it, that's your last tournament if you're a senior. Yeah. And if you win it and you don't get rewarded and an extra <laughs> reward, right? Like you're winning for your college and everything. But yeah, if you look at the, ex- level, yeah. the level of the tournament, like the guys that like Waltz was beating in that tournament, like people you have to beat to get to the final. Like it's like top 300 level for sure. Like Diallo, he beat Diallo and he's top 250 right now. And it's tough to win that tournament. I think you need to be rewarded. And I guess you see, you see that um, – I don't know if you guys saw that the other day, the thing that College Terrace is doing. Like, if you finish in the top 10, you get, like, a certain amount of wild cards into, like, main draw of challenges or something. But I think that's pretty good, what, it, what they're doing now. So that definitely creates more awareness for College Tennis. And, yeah, they're taking um, some good steps. It'll, like, keep some really high-level guys in college because yeah. you won't feel the pressure to have to go try and get your ranking to a certain spot. It's like if you do well enough in college tennis, they're just going to bypass you up to that level. Yeah, you might even get guys come for a year or two, like just some studs might come, but definitely keeps the good guys in college, like that incentive to do well. Yep. And that's kind of like what they do – don't they do like PGA Tour University or something like that for golf? Like the top 25 guys in college golf get like their Corn Ferry Tour card or something like that or Q School. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. But Colin was the golf whiz. I thought you'd know. Yeah, well, it's not a golf podcast, Pat, but uh, we, try, <laughs> we, try and, we, we try and stay up on the uh, <laughs> all sports, I guess. But yeah, they're definitely more. making a step in the right direction for sure. Yeah, they yeah. can definitely build on that. Yeah, it didn't see anything about doubles though. So, <laughs> not yet. We can certainly doubles is definitely overlooked in a lot of ways, and I think you could certainly make a career out of doubles. I mean, people have been doing it. I think there's more money in it nowadays, especially on tour. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not to me. It's like yeah, it's. Singles is definitely like the the thing everybody loves to talk about on tour, but I mean, should, doubles should definitely get its flowers too. It's it's a great it's a great competition. You learn so much stuff. Like you saw, Keith Keith was so analytical on that. He like loves loves when people standing. Keith is, Keith just loves that stuff. And there's probably a lot of people out there like him that love watching doubles. So um, I don't know. I like to see it grow. More tennis is is better for all of us. Yeah, exactly. Good. Well, thanks, Pat. Appreciate you hopping on. No worries, boys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good luck for the weekend at indoors. Thank you.